Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. We've got one of our buddies from the network, Evan Sidery, joining us today to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. He's the host of Locked On Colts, and there's a ton going on in Indy. They are definitely going for it this year. A bit of news first, Matt, before we get into the Indianapolis Colts. And it's been around the NBA, and it has officially hit the NFL world. Sean Payton testing positive for coronavirus. Yeah, and I'm sure that this will start popping up. I mean, it, like you said, the NBA was kind of ahead of the, the NFL with this, and um, of course, it's unfortunate. But I, some of it, part of part of me thinks, good, you know, like maybe people will start paying a little bit more attention, and you know, he can act as a spokesperson. And I don't want to compare it to like when Magic got AIDS, but you know, stuff got real when Magic got AIDS. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right? When, yeah, when you, and, and people you. Yeah. With the way the league has continued on, I think they still have to realize, OK, well, people, even though there's a lot that can go on in the NFL with the offseason, it's been pretty amazing to see how things can go on remotely in the NFL offseason. But you still have to be careful and even in your own houses. So now, you know, who's Peyton hanging out with? Has it spread throughout that front office in that building and the coaching staff? Because, you know, they've had meetings and they've been together, even if they're doing oh, yeah. a good job of distancing and, and self-quarantining. They still have probably had some meetings. And, and I don't know if NFL people have taken it as seriously. And I'm sure there's been some war room gatherings with more people than necessary. So just a, a bit of a wake up call. And, and who knows? Hopefully that helps the rest of the league. Luckily, it's not a situation where he's been traveling and been in other stadiums and, and, you know, so it's not a thing like the NBA where it's going to spread to other teams. It's something that's happening there with Peyton and, and hopefully everything turns out great and he's feeling good and, and that will pass quickly. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, and again, I don't, this certainly is not a coronavirus podcast, but it sounds like healthy people like coach Peyton get over it reasonably quickly. And hopefully it doesn't spread like you said. And I mean, will he be, quarantine from draft meetings for a while you know i mean he's an important guy in that building right (laughs) yeah so uh i'm and i imagine that's going to make him pretty stir crazy i'm sure he's got a nice little setup though in his home to watch film so i'm sure he's got plenty of film to watch for the next month and give his input via whatever conferencing app teams are using in the nfl these days but uh yeah hopefully they are uh yeah yeah it's all about the flattening the curve right that's one of the new buzzwords and it makes total sense don't spread this thing confine it to where it is and healthy people can hopefully get over it and we don't spread it to people who are more at risk. Um, Really quick here before we get to the Colts, big news since we last talked, Todd Gurley was cut by the Rams and has already been picked up. Just breaking now, the Atlanta Falcons have signed Gurley to a one-year contract. So Gurley betting on himself, betting that he's going to make more money next offseason, prove he's healthy. Atlanta obviously needing a running back. They lost Coleman last year. They've already lost Freeman this year. So Todd Gurley to Atlanta, one year, $6 million, it looks like, and he's getting 7.5 already from the Rams. So still making a nice bit of cash this year, even though he's taking a one-year show-me deal. Yeah, and, and good for Gurley. He's, he's getting a, a nice big paycheck this year. He's going to be just fine. Um, we said this really when it happened. I mean, why did the Rams send sign him a year before they had to? I mean, that's just bad business. I mean, especially at that position, it's a big enough conversation to should we extend a running back with that kind of workload, let alone let's do it a year early for fun, you know, like, uh, and so it bit him and it should have. I mean, um, 
what I think is interesting, though, is he kind of is going home. He went to Georgia. I think he's from that area of the country. Maybe he took a little less with the Falcons. But now I look at this Falcons offense, and you've got Hayden Hurst replaces Hooper. Two first-round picks on the offensive line that you have to think are going to be better this year than last. I think Ridley's going to be a monster. Julio is a monster. Ryan's a great player. And now you had Gurley in the backfield, and I could tell a story where this is a top five offense. I, I could also tell a story where the Falcons are, you know, Gurley's banged up and are desperately in the market for a running back. You know, like, I don't know <laughs> that this is the answer. I mean, I think I would found the Atlanta, I'm not using a day one or day two pick on acres or any of these guys coming out of you know edwards hilaire anybody like that and i'd use it on defense but i don't know that i can ignore running back either you know i've got an idea for a new segment story time with matt williamson we go through each team in the nfl you tell a story about how things could go great or how things could go poorly in the 2020 season right and he can't be like well pat mahomes gets hit by a bus but like like, i mean like logical things like boy they have no running game Ryan's in the shotgun the whole time, slinging it, and it might work. Or, wow, this is a really balanced offense, and Gurley's getting 20 touches a game and thriving. I can see both. Running back value at an all-time low right now, right, Matt? I mean, what we're seeing right now, it's it's like just don't sign running backs to that big next deal. Don't do it. And Melvin Gordon's sitting out there in the wind right now thinking, man, uh, things didn't go exactly how I planned over the course of the last year. Yeah, I mean, I feel for him because, again, he did nothing wrong kind of started with Lev Bell and his situation. You're here in Gordon to Buffalo, but I thought that would be finalized by now, just reading the the clips. It hasn't been. That would make sense. They have money. He's a good compliment to Singletary. They're in it to win it. Um, but all of a sudden, who's in the running back market? I mean, Tampa Bay could certainly use one. I think the Bills could use a compliment. The Steelers need one, but uh, I think the Ravens could use one. But boy, I mean, it's not, ever a good year to be a running back on the open market. And we're going to get into the division in the AFC South, but how much is Bill O'Brien kicking himself right now thinking, oh man, I just traded away one of my best players to get a worse running back than a guy that I could have just picked up off the free agent market who was released a few days later in Todd Gurley. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think he is kicking himself, but he should have kicked himself for even fielding the first call (laughs) on that, that, that trade. All right, let's get into the Indianapolis Colts with host of Locked On Colts, Evan Sidery. Our guest today is Evan Sidery. He is the host of Locked On Colts. You can find them where you can find all of your favorite podcasts, just like Locked On NFL, and you can find him on Twitter at Locked On Colts. A big week for the Indianapolis Colts going for it, right, Evan? Yeah, they really pushed the chips in, so to say, Brian and Matt. And you look at, the, look at what they did. They got DeForest Buckner for the number 13 overall pick. Brian came on the show in the week and helped explain that to our audience. But I think for that trade, that's a foundational trade that's going to really impact that defense from all across the board there. Then you get Phillip Rivers as your new quarterback. One, how did Jacoby Brissett on a short-term deal? One-term, one-year contract could be a, a situation if Phillip Rivers outplays his one-year deal. It could be a franchise tag can next year if all goes well. It's not like the Colts are going for it, Brian, and you you see the moves they're making, and obviously getting Phil Burrs in the building over Jacoby Brissett means you're going for it in the next one or two years. And I think this Colts roster is young, and if, if this young talent keeps ascending, they all peak at the same time, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, and other guys, it could be in for a fun year. Let's stick with defense. I think most of this conversation is going to revolve around Rivers and the offense. 
And I'm sure you guys have talked a lot about Brent, uh, about the Forrest Buckner, and I think it's a great addition. Do you think he's worth the 13th pick in a you know in a vacuum? That's going to be a premium player. And do you think that deal gets done if they don't have two seconds? I don't think it's done if they have two seconds. That's a good point, Brent. Up there, Matt. And also, I think I would still do the deal. I was I had mixed feelings at the very beginning, right when the news broke on Tuesday. But the more I've thought about, it, the more the more I think if you're going to go for a guy Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown at 13 to fill that three tech role at like DeForest Buckner would, you might have to wait a year or two for development with yeah. those guys. And Fine. now you have a guy entering his prime years, just turned 26 years old, DeForest Buckner. Sure, it's a high price, but you probably have to pay that price anyways in four or five years. The guy Kinlaw or Brown if they if they hit. So I think it's more of a immediate gain for the Colts to maybe waiting on. It's like the mystery box, so to say. You're picking the the prize they already know about more so than the mystery box. Yeah, looking at this DeForest Buckner deal specifically and it's definitely pushing your chips into the middle of the table are the Indianapolis Colts right now. And I think both fan bases, if if and I don't want to speak for your Colts fan base, but from what I can gather, it was a similar situation to the 49ers fan base where when the trade first happened and the deal first happened, they thought, wait, whoa, what the hell? You know, because it was not something that was out there. And for 49ers fans, I tried to explain how it was a win-win because as much as it hurts for the 49ers to lose a core player, someone who's been so consistent, it just wasn't going to all work underneath the salary cap. So to not pay him $21 million and get the first round pick, and that's the key is getting that number 13 overall pick. And Matt and I have talked about how that's a premium pick in this class, and you're really in a sweet spot to have a lot of value with that pick at number 13, even if it was a pick 10 picks later, say 23 instead of 13. So it's a win for the 49ers, but I thought it was also a win for the Colts because of what, you just mentioned, uh, I think Buckner is better than the player they could have got at that position at that spot in the draft, and they might not have been choosing between the two players. They might have only had any, the option for one. Who knows? Maybe both Kinlaw and Brown are gone by that point. And also, Buckner's better. Buckner's reaching his prime, still young, 25 years old, going into his 26 age season, and then he's he's ready to go. You know, he's in his prime. You know exactly what you're getting. You know the type of human being. You know the type of player you're getting. And so with all of those other things together, it makes so much sense. And those two high second round picks, 34 and 44, if I'm not mistaken, I have a feeling there's a lot of action still to come for the Colts who are absolutely going for it right now. And maybe one of those players that they liked in round one, they can still get. Yeah, if the Colts are, are going for it, I, I definitely think they are. And that draft we talked about on the show in the week, Brian, on Locked on Colts, that they could still go, go up and get a quarterback with 34 and 44. A guy, Jordan Love, seems to be slipping down the boards a little bit with how the quarterback dominoes are falling right now. So if he's in the, the 20s or maybe even the 30s, like the 49ers at 31, maybe you could call back up San Francisco and get a, the first-round, fifth-year option for a guy like Jordan Love. I think that makes so much sense for this Colts team. But if they don't go that route, they have the premium picks at 34 and 44 to go address wide receiver tight end like a Cole Komet or a guy like a Denzel Mims, you can throw into this offense right away and really help Phil Rivers immediately. So it seems like the Colts are, are really are flexible and they have multiple avenues and go down, and they definitely are done. I think there's going to be more fireworks they can mention Brian on draft night for this team. Evan, a year ago, I was a big Jacoby Brissett believer. had a lot of hopes for him, and I'm still on that limb, but it's a little weaker now. I mean, I, I, I've defended him pretty much every step of the way. Injuries, you know, not many guys to throw to, et cetera. What's your take on him? What's his value to you and the Colts? What would it take to pry him away? Just give me your your overall thoughts on Brissett. Yeah, it definitely was a roller coaster last year, Jacoby Brissett, getting thrown into the fire after the shocking Andrew Luck news. He did very well in September, though, like against the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. Played, played very well. 
Then against the Falcons and Texans, he had 300-plus yards in those games, multiple touchdowns. I believe no picks in either of those games either. They were on a roll at 5-2, and two, but then you see the injury happen, Jacoby Brissett. But even before the injury, I think the more film got on Jacoby Brissett, the more teams knew how to beat him. If you take away his first, second reads, he really struggles processing guys down the field, and he really can't throw guys open that much. And we saw how bad it got in the second half of the year, and teams really daring them to Jacoby Brissett and his arm to beat them, and he couldn't a lot of the time as the Colts slid down the from 5-2 and two to 7-9. and nine. And Phil Rivers, his main ability there is processing, and that's going to be the polar opposite of what Brissett has. And the aggressiveness, too, I think is the big difference here. Jacoby just wasn't aggressive enough with his offense. You see how the Colts' offense of 2018 was all about play-action pass, taking deep shots on the field, setting up off their running attack. But Brissett never took those risks, and they only took it during one game against Tampa Bay, and they scored 35 points in that game. So I just feel like if he was more consistent in that route, Jacoby probably is their guy next year as the bridge. But if they are going for it in the short-term window next one to two years, I think Phil Rivers is a massive upgrade. And unfortunately for Jacoby Brissett, he's a high-priced backup, but I think he still does have a mark out there where if they do pay the bonus coming on Sunday, I believe it's $8 million bonus, then you're only going to be paying whoever the team is next $8 million out of his $21 million salary cap hit hmm. to trade for him. So I think it makes an awful lot of sense if the Colts wanted to wait out that bonus, pay it to him, and then maybe get a fourth, fifth-round pick for him. I don't know who out there makes sense for Jacoby, but I, I think there's still value for him. Uh, that sure screams. I didn't realize the the, the, uh, the bonus situation. The the Colts have still have a fair amount of cap space. That sure seems like Belichick saying, "You guys pay that, and then we'll make we'll talk." I mean, he's being very yeah. quiet in New England. Yeah, I think that makes an awful lot of sense to bring him back because I mean, the quarterback chairs. I mean, we all see what's happening over throughout the week here. There's not many seats left. Maybe New England outside of New England. That's you're going to be a backup elsewhere. Is he a dark horse to actually get cut before that bonus if they don't have a wink-wink deal already in place with the team? Because it seems like if you're going to go out and get Phillip Rivers, you've already said all you needed to say about how you feel about Jacoby Brissett. And why would you pay that much money for a backup when you've already made your decision and you wanted to go a different direction at quarterback? Yeah, I think there's actually a good chance that he does get cut if there is no value out there for him. Let's say do pay the bonus on Sunday and then no team is still calling afterwards. Chris Ballard's always been a player pers- player driven person where as far as he does, if the player wants to do something, he usually sides with the player. And if Jacoby wants to pick his own spot out instead of getting traded, I could easily see him just eating that money. You still save $8 million by cutting him. So it's the same as trading him at that point, the bonus kicking in. So you don't lose any extra money cutting him in that situation. So I think it makes sense if there is no deals to cut Jacoby Brissett because I don't know about you guys, but from just a quarterback room, locker room standpoint, Jacoby Brissett is a super competitive guy. Phil Burrs, we all know he's a super competitive guy. I used to feel like that could go really awry in that quarterback room if you put two competitive guys like Brissett, who, who was a team captain last year, in place of Phil Bruce, who now would be your team captain as well. This one kind of has a fantasy spin to it, but I always say the teams tell you what they're thinking and you know, they, they, hold their, they show you their cards this time of year. And I think it's kind of telling that the Colts haven't been super aggressive on the wide receiver market. I mean, they still could grab one in this one of those second-round picks. It's a great receiver draft. But my hunch is Paris Campbell's kind of a sleeping giant and could be in for a big, big second year. And the other guy that I think really benefits from the river signing is Naheem Hines. Yeah, I think both those guys, they're 4-3 speed, Hines 4-3-4, Campbell 4-3-1. And Phil Burge is so good at putting guys, throwing the ball right where it needs to be on the run. And Jacoby Brissett really struggled at that. So you're going to see Paris Campbell – on a lot of drags and slant routes, getting yards in for catch. Naeem Hines, 
I think honestly, it just depends on the role he has because he's been so consistent with his role with the Colts so far in his first couple of years. But there's no reason for me to believe why Naeem Hines can't be Austin Eckler. I mean, you see how good a receiver right. he is. And the, the, when he runs the ball in games, you saw against Kansas City, he did pretty well against the Chiefs last year when he had more of a running running attack with Marlon Mack. I mean, there's high upside of both those guys. And Philip Rivers is going to put the ball in those guys' hands and let him run. And that was not a thing last year. And as far as the other wideouts go, Maybe a guy like Nelson Aguilar makes sense. I mean, he has a connection with Frank Reich and, and Mike Gray, the new wide receivers coach there in Indianapolis. They could go uh, re-sign Devin Funchess. I think he can make sense on a one-year period deal again as a big-body playmaker for Rivers. Or they could draft a guy like a big-body playmaker in round two, like a Denzel Mims, a Chase Claypool, a T. Higgins. I think any all three of those routes make sense. You like Campbell, though? I love Paris Campbell. Just, yeah. if, he's on the, if he's on the field healthy, we saw against Tennessee sure. last year, like – He's split by Logan Ryan on a 15-yard crossing round. He had about seven-yard separation in about three seconds. Like, he has very rare separation ability with his speed and his size, and I think he could really feast with Philip Rivers as his quarterback now. There was another deal that the Colts made that's kind of gone under the radar because it was so early in the process, and then uh, all the big moves happened with Rivers and Buckner, but Anthony Costanzo coming back I think really helps solidify things there with the Colts. Are there any other moves on the horizon that you see that the Colts could make happen before the draft? Yeah, I think Costanzo, just to start off with that, is a huge, huge addition. There was thoughts of him maybe considering retirement if he was going to play again. It was only going to be for the Colts, but getting him back on a two-year deal, and Costanzo already says he play out that full two-year contract, so there's no have to worry about 2021 maybe him retiring in the final year of his contract. He's going to be there for at least two years with Philip Rivers if Rivers stays for at least one or two years. So you're going all in with that with Costanzo. You have that bookend left tackle with Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly, which I think believe makes it the best left side in the NFL for an offensive line. And you dive into what they could do here before the draft. Like I think wide receiver is a huge thing here, but also safety and their depth of safety because there's been rumors about Eric Berry. He's very good friends with Justin Houston. I think if they're going all in for a Super Bowl run, bring in Eric Berry as your third safety with Curry Willis and Malik Hooker. That could be a lot of fun bring another leader in the locker room there and at wide receiver if they do not if they decide to go free and see i think they're going to double dip in the, in the draft and free and at wide receiver to be honest but i think devin Funches, if you want to re-sign him or nelson aguilar i think those are two guys who make sense of wide receiver they both do i mean i wouldn't give Funches the same price i did last year but they liked the his stock shouldn't have went down in a year he didn't do anything to hurt himself no, yeah, he only played uh, three quarters of game one, and in that first game with the, against the Chargers, ironically enough, he was actually doing pretty well for himself, and he could be kind of that Mike Williams, that Philip Rivers, that Vincent Jackson type of player that he's always had that big body. And that's the player that offense needs, right? The, the, the chain mover, the guy that they can count on on a, you know, a third and medium? Yeah, that's really what they're missing right now is that big body. They're missing Eric Ebron to a tight end. They need to add another tight end with how Frank Reich uses them. I, I don't believe Malay Cox is anything more than a blocking tight end at this point of his career, so... I expect them to maybe get a guy in free agency or to draft a tight end, but wide receiver opposite T.Y. Hill in that big body is really what they need, especially for a guy like Philip Rivers right now. I'm sure you're extremely partial and biased on this, but my early impressions are that when Vegas odds come out, Colts will probably be the favorite to win the division. I mean, I think Jacksonville might be the worst team in the league. Everyone's kind of laughing at Houston right now that you know Bill O'Brien has no idea what he's talking about. They're falling apart. And I look at Tennessee, and I'm not sure they're better than a year ago. I'm not sure they're worse either, but they're not a whole lot different. So do you think as it stands here, you know, phase one of free agency down the drain, that the Colts are in a real good position, and would they get your vote? I, I think so, even if I wasn't biased. Like, I would still go with the Colts there just because I feel like they raised their ceiling in 2020 so much. You get mm-hmm. Philip Rivers 
You go from a, a bottom five quarterback in Jacoby Brissett to at least an average quarterback, and that makes such a big difference for a, a team and in, in, in competing like the Indianapolis Colts. And you also throw in a guy, Philip Rivers, who I think is going to be a huge upgrade over, over them. DeForest Buckner at the three technique is going to be a huge upgrade where you're going to have see so many changes on defense for a guy like Darius Slender. He's going to be running free all the time now. Going to do so much for a guy like him. But I, I was, interesting enough, I was looking at pro football focus yesterday, guys, and the Colts actually are ranked number one right now in, the, in their improvement index are doing for free agency. And the Jaguars are 27, the Titans are 29, and the Texans are 30th. So compared wow. to the AFC South right now, the Colts really are pushing the chips in and pushing them in at the perfect timing. So tapping around division. I was looking at the standings before we started talking here, and I was actually surprised the Colts only finished one game ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, 7-9 and nine and 6-10. and 10. And I think there, that was a bit of an anomaly for the Colts underachieving and then also adding the talent that they have. But Colts fans have to be pretty giddy over there, right? Watching how things have gone within the division in this offseason, even in the first four days of free agency, the Colts got a lot better, upgraded multiple positions while the Houston Texans traded away one of their best players, and I'm sure fans were not going to be super excited if Tom Brady ended up in Tennessee, right? So even though the Titans went as far as they did in the playoffs and were really good with Tannehill last year, I have to imagine Colts fans were pretty happy not to see Tom Brady in the division. Yeah, that's a very nice thing to see because Brady going to Tampa Bay, I think, is one of the odder things of the year. But you see him not go to Tennessee. It's going to help them out a lot. Philip Burrs, I know, has a history of the Colts fans over the years, a rivalry with Peyton Manning in the, back in the days. And maybe Colts fans are a little... Little disinterest in Philip Rivers, but he's such a big upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. I think fans are going to realize pretty quickly how big of an upgrade that is. But I don't know about you guys, Brian and, and Matt, but I feel like the Colts, honestly, are probably third right now in the AFC. Obviously, it's hard to tell with free agency and the draft still going on. But outside of Baltimore and Kansas City, I believe the Colts right now are probably in that third slot. And adding DeForest Buckner to the mix, I mean, maybe they could talk themselves into Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, Danico Autry, and Kamoko Ture wreaking havoc for a guy like Deshaun, Deshaun Watson or a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I, Chris Bauer obviously obviously believes that if you add in a guy like Buckner and you add in a guy like Rivers, they could be with, could be with those two teams like Baltimore and Kansas City. I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's optimistic, and I, I think there should be a lot of optimism around the Colts. But I had this conversation on my Steelers show. Like, I really think Kansas City and Baltimore are their own tier. But I could probably make the case for – six AFC teams to be number three. I mean, are the Patriots dead? Are the Bills ready? How about the Steelers with Ben? You know, certainly the Colts. Tennessee went far. Boy, I like what the Chargers are doing. You know, like there's that that second tier in the AFC could be pretty broad. Yeah, really anyone can make a run out of that. And like that tier of Kansas City and Baltimore has their own. But outside of that, like you mentioned, Matt, there's really four or five teams that could really get in the mix there, which is going to make it super fun this year in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah, when I look at the AFC, the number thing, number one thing that jumps out to me is there were so many seven and nine teams, and some of those teams I thought were nowhere near in the ballpark of where how good the Colts were last year, let alone with how good they are now. So I expected some positive re- regression for the Colts anyway. So adding that talent, adding Rivers. Here's the question I have: is how much truly is an upgrade from Brissett to Rivers? Because the Chargers, who were a pretty good team and really underachieved last year with Rivers at quarterback, they didn't seem to be that upset with the guy that they've had their quarterback for since 2004. Like, they didn't seem like, okay, man, this is going to really hurt our franchise to finally lose Phillip Rivers. They were kind of okay with letting him finally go and and try something new. And I look at the Steelers, who were 8-8, eight and eight, and they had a disaster at quarterback uh, there's still some battling to be done, I think, at the top of the AFC. And the Colts are absolutely right there. But I agree with Matt. It's the it's the top two. And then 
man, it could go any way after that. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like, honestly, on Brissett versus Rivers here, I, I went back and watched a little bit of Rivers' games with the NFL Game Pass. It's not free for those who are wondering uh, yesterday. And I went back and watched a lot of those games, and Philip Rivers was under duress almost every other snap. And I feel like that's probably what they're banking on here is that the offensive line can keep Rivers clean a lot. It's going to cut down the turnovers a little bit, maybe 10% or so, maybe get him down 14 or 15 interceptions, maybe even less than that. That's just gravy at that point. You help him out, the offensive line, the running game, add in a little bit more weapons. I just feel like on the short intermediate routes where this Colts offense really thrives, Jacoby Brissett really struggled there this past year. You're going to have Philip Rivers has elite ball placement for guys like Paris Campbell, Naeem Hines, who we talked about earlier in the show. I just feel like the, uh, the ceiling of this offense is way higher with Rivers because you're going from a bottom five quarterback to at least an average one. And if you believe the offensive line is as, as elite as it is, and you believe it can help out Philip Rivers exponentially with his turnover problems, then I, I think it is an upgrade, whether it's a huge one or not is to be determined. But I think it's a, a pretty – I'd say it's at least like going from a bottom five one to an average one, which I don't know how big of an upgrade that is, but I feel like it's pretty significant. I don't disagree. I mean, I have concerns that Rivers' best football is behind him. He's on hold number 17 on coming into the clubhouse. But I've said for years, and I bet he's losing his mind looking at the Chargers signing Balaga and making offensive line moves. Could you please protect your franchise quarterback and we can at least get a better evaluation of what he is when actually protected? Yeah, that's the one thing. I mean, you see all those years of Rivers in San Diego and Los Angeles. He was under duress so much. And then, honestly, we look at Jacoby Brissett last year, uh, like about five or six of those sacks, you go back and track them, are, are on Jacoby, not the offensive line. He just holds the ball too long. And that's not going to happen with Philip Rivers. He's one of the quickest release guys in the NFL, and that's going to make a huge difference here because Jacoby Brissett was ranked second to the top as far as, mo- as much time to throw as he had. I believe Rivers was in the bottom six for that. So you're going from – a different environment for sure for like Rivers. Hey, Evan, last one here from me. How many Quentin Nelson jerseys are there in the stands? Because <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember an offensive lineman that's more fun to watch than Quentin Nelson. And those aren't usually the guys that you pay money to see. Honestly, um, I, it's probably the second most, which is, might be shocking to some. There's probably at least like 10, 15,000 I see. I mean, I go to a lot of, of Colts games. Who's number I, one? I, Darius Leonard, I, I'd say. Darius Leonard's wow. number one. And that just goes to show you the building blocks that Chris Bout has in place with the 2018 draft with Nelson and Leonard because those I thought two it guys, might be Luck, actually, still. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if it was Andrew Luck. But uh, I don't know about maybe Philip Rivers. That'd be really weird to see a lot of Rivers jerseys in the Colts, but who knows? That could be that. But the 2018 building blocks of Nelson and Leonard used to be scattered all throughout the Solo Stadium. I bet. You know, real quick, just reminding me there about Andrew Luck. Have there been any whispers? I haven't heard anything from Luck. Has there been anything on the Indianapolis end, hearing about just how he's doing, where he's at, if maybe he's getting the itch a little bit? Yeah, Chris Bauer said two words about that at his combine press conference when asked about it. Andrew's retired, and that was the only thing. So it seemed like that <laughs> that that bridge, has that ship has sailed. I don't think Andrew Luck is going to be back in the NFL anytime soon, unfortunately. That is Evan Sidery. You can find him on Twitter at LockedOnColts. Evan, really appreciate the time. Looking forward to watching those Colts in 2020. No worries. Thanks for having me on, guys.